0: The Province Art Podcast. Welcome to the most anticipated episode of the White Towel Podcast in the last seven days at least. Uh, Paul Chapman joined by Ed Willis. Ed, how are things find you today?
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty good, pretty good. You know, it, it, it's funny, like our industry has been studying, uh, has been searching for a new business model to make it more viable. I just wonder if we've hit inadvertently <laughs> hit on something here.
0: Uh, just let people know we're going to talk a little bit about the All-Star Game, Elias Pettersson. Um, And talk, uh, frame the rest of the Canucks season a little bit, maybe some trade issues. Then we will talk about reaction to prickly Gate or uh, stuff that flared up out of some comments we made here last week. Uh, And then maybe talk a little bit about the Super Bowl at the very end. Um, So, Ed, last year, I think it was, to me, it was remarkable. Usually the All-Star game is so uneventful. It was a great story that Brock Messer had made it. Um, And what's usually a pretty quiet weekend for us is like, all of a sudden, like, holy shit, the kids the all-star game MVP and he had he had a great weekend certainly not failure or anything but not the impact that Besser had made in the game last year but let's face it for Elias Peterson, that was a great weekend for him to go and experience
1: that. Well, you know, and I I think he was kind of the poster boy. The, the you know, he, like like the game has always been about personalities and about stars. And I was thinking about this on the way over here. You just look at the complete Peterson package. He, he, the way he plays the game is unique. His body type is unique. His look is unique. His skill set is unique. His personality is certainly unique. You put that all together, and this is, like, one of the most compelling figures, plus the fact that he is just an extraordinary hockey player. I mean, like, like this is what the league cries for. This is what the league wants, like, this kind of, like, compelling personality and talent. And, you know, he serves it up by the bucketful. So, I mean, I find that
0: the let's fix the All-Star Game or what's wrong with the All-Star Game argument so tiresome because it never goes anywhere. That's right. If it actually led somewhere, that would be fine. But the All-Star Game is what it is. It's definitely a show for the city that's hosting it. But, you know, I don't think you can have any complaints when a guy like Alexander Ovechkin, who goes to the Olympics, who sells the game, Is older has been through it a number of times, says, I want to sit it out. But do we take for granted sometimes what it's like for a rookie to go and be with all the other greats of the game? When you hear Pedersen say things like, I never thought I'd play in the NHL or that he had a Canucks shirt when he was five or whatever it was, that he or 12, that he loved – the nhl and the hockey players and to be in that environment is something special for the players
1: i i I, and i really believe this i think the game has changed on so many levels but i think that thing about the tradition and the passing of the torch which has been with us as long as that all star game has been played which i think started with the benefit for ace bailey sometime in the 1930s but where the young kids get to rub shoulders with the established superstars and it probably started with Boom, boom, Jeffrey on rubbing shoulders with Maurice Richard and Bobby Hall with Gordie Howe. And Gretzky talks about this all the time the way, you know, somebody like Guy Lafleur would take him under his wing, you know, in his first couple of years. (laughs) The fact that he was like twice the player everybody else doesn't enter into it. And I think that's always been part of Gretzky's greatness is understanding that, understanding his role, understanding his responsibility. And I think it's been really cool the last two years to see Besser and now Patterson. Fall into that continuum where they're learning about it, where they're kind of being accepted, where they're, you know it's this rite of passage that virtually that all great players I think have gone through at one time or another. And then to me, that's that the All Star Game is it's n- nothing to do with hockey; it's all about symbolism. And I think it would be remiss. I'd just like to do a little left-hand turn here. I think the NHL just did a brilliant job of changing the conversation about Ovechkin by introducing the two women into the skills yeah. competition. And if there is a future for the game, I know there was a lot of run about why not have a couple of women play in the All-Star game. There's no contact From in the game anyway. The- no, exactly. It's not hockey. But you, t- you know, in terms of the speed, in terms of the skill, in terms of those things they can excel in, absolutely, why not? I think
0: they should personally and, and again I, I just said like less than two minutes ago how tiresome I find the conversation yeah. I'm just saying for me I and they talk about the all star gaming for kids I think back to showdown and how much I loved showdown in between drop the divisions drop the conferences drop this versus that have a big showdown competition like get all these skill things and let's like name champions of each thing just do the skill stuff yeah. I don't know if you saw any of the uh the Pro Bowl activities. They did this amazing, aside from the Jamal Adams taking out the New England Patriots mascot, which was my favorite part of the whole week, um, they did this really bizarre like Japanese game show style skill competition where quarterbacks are throwing the ball through these giant paper targets and guys are leaping over things and landing in like foam pits. It was so over the top. Like, you didn't have to watch the game. That was the most entertaining part about the stars. I kind of would like to see it trend more towards the individual competitions than the game.
1: Well, okay. But, like, the all-star game has always kind of been at the center of things. And I still think you need that. You know, it's funny. You were sitting there talking about that. Like, I grew up in, like, late 60s through the 70s, which is really the era of junk sports on TV. Superstars. uh, The best. Well, no, but I remember, like, CBS, the NBA, their NBA telecast, they used to have horse games at halftime. And you'd watch like Pete Maravich versus Paul Westfall, and these doing the most insane shit. But it was absolutely riveting. And I I hope you can still find them on on, on YouTube. And they are amazing. But but the same thing, like you 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 mentioned Showdown. You can see clips. This is going back a little while. But I just watched one of Ernie Banks and Mickey Mantle in a home run challenge. Yeah, you can. It's, go- it's just it's. I mean. It- it really is like entering into a time machine watching this You go on
0: youtube and you start watching those and we haven't even mentioned the superstar competitions yes like i get lost down that rabbit hole i really do especially when they did the super teams it'd be like the kansas city royals in a tug of war against the pittsburgh steelers (laughs) yeah i wonder who's gonna win that one um and i remember there was one it was the cowboys against uh i can't remember it was the pittsburgh pirates and it ended in a tie they were like an hour and a half dug into the sand in this tug of war. These multi-million dollar athletes. So, and they ended well, no, saying, it was probably
1: multi-hundred thousand dollars. In, in, in and in the they days, just ended up yeah, calling yeah, it. Anyways. But no,
0: I I, th- I find the whole uh, hoopla around the All-Star game to be fun. And it's lighthearted fun. And, yeah. and really, that's where it is. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit now about um, the season going forward for the Canucks. Uh, sort of you have these milestones, Christmas, All-Star Game. The next one, obviously, is the trade deadline now. Something that leapt out at me, of course, was the trade that the Leafs made yesterday. And much like Roberto Luongo is going to the Leafs and how much they flirted with that, it never happened. This was the preferred destination of Ben Hutton, Chris Tanev, uh, Eric Goodbranson, fill in the blank of a team that desperately needed a defenseman. And now, of course, they go and get Jake Muzzin from, from the Kings. Do you, do you see the Canucks making a significant move here as we lead up to the? Well, trade I deadline? think
1: if they could get a haul like like uh, like the Kings got from us, and I just don't see a play, unless they put Alex Edler on the market. And I think that's a fascinating conversation. So let let's just you know flash forward to deadline. If they're in a position where they can get a late first round pick, a prospect who's a second rounder, and I saw the the Grundstrom kid playing for the Marlies in that playoff series, and I, I thought there's a future nhl or I know he projects as a third liner, but if he's on your third line, I think you've got a hell of a team. So that is such an enticing package. I mean, boy, if you're the Canucks, you have to have a long, hard think about that one. I know we've talked about like Edler's value and so many things he brings to the team, but you know, if, if they're staring down something like that, to me, that changes the conversation a bit about Edler. Well, did
0: that change the conversation yesterday? Then They did get so much, because this is, I think, in the last Couple of years when people have looked at the Canucks as being sellers at the deadline. Um, at the end of the day, the return hasn't been great, but that yeah. that was a good deal. No, and I,
1: and, I, and generally the return isn't great, and that's kind of you know one of the things I want to touch on is you know there's so all, for all the hand wringing about putting these established stars in the market and and you know the team putting doing the selling. Oh, we're going to get this. We're going to get that. We're going. History has taught us that the package coming back is generally like half of what people think it's going to be. And, and, and there's the very odd Philip Forsberg, Martin Erat for Philip Forsberg one, and there, there's been a couple of other th- throughout history. But, you know, the, like we've been going on the trade deadline thing back to like Butch Goring going from the Kings to the Islanders, so we're approaching 40 years on this. And I, I would submit there are maybe 10, 15 trades over that time it really materially affected, you know, the the, the teams that moved the, the the prized assets. So having said all this, it's always been, I keep coming back to this point, that has been the Canucks' stated aim to be, be be competitive while they integrate these young players into the lineup, and I don't know how you keep that while trading Edler and or Tanev.
0: So the thing that does intrigue me about this is, um, you know, Jim Benning has somewhat rehabilitated his image in this town over the last – 12 to 18 months mm-hmm. because of Brock Besser and Elias Peterson. And this was certainly why what people knew they were getting when they brought him in. Super Scouts, mm-hmm. drafted some great guys for the Bruins, et cetera, et cetera. Um, where he hasn't really excelled is the trade market, and yep. you could argue free agency also. Uh, is this a bit of a testamental for for Benning if he or this organization if they want to rebuild that trades really maybe you have to rob a couple of teams?
1: Yeah, I I I think, I honestly think with maybe you can do a deeper dive into it in a future broadcast. I thought they made that moves when they they flipped Burrows, and and then they flipped uh help me Hansen, Hansen and and got, you know, two I would say B, B-plus prospects, maybe even an e, A-minus for, for Dallin. I, I, I just, like I said, I, you know, they have been sort of pointing down this road for so long, and they're finally there where they are competitive, where they are playing meaningful games, and I don't know how you abandon that route right now and maintain credibility with the fans now that they're there. Now, if they lose 10 games in a row coming out of the break, or if they go 2-8 and eight or something like that, then obviously they're going to have to rethink their position. But I think right here, right now, it's got to be status quo for this team. So they're still, they're, they're still sort of ahead
0: in the games played column, which is why I know they've got this week off. And yeah, yeah. And teams that they're so-called chasing. Crazy schedule. Oh, it really is. is. It's just insane. And yeah. and and really, the World Juniors was one week over Christmas yeah. when you have a break anyway. It, it, but it really, it does seem to have lent very heavily, obviously, on the road games in the first part of the season. And also, you know, this massive break. And they've got a few of them coming through, although I believe March is a pretty brutal month for them. Um, but if you look at them now, you know, Colorado and Dallas are the two teams ahead of them. They've played fewer games We've talked before in this podcast about how important it is for the development of young players to be involved in games
1: that matter later in
0: the season. What do you expect from the Canucks out of this break here coming back in?
1: Well, I, I, I hope they kind of, okay, that last homestand was so advantageous on so many different levels. The fact that they were at home for six games, the quality of the opponents coming through. Now, I think they still held up their end of the bargain going 3-1 and 2 through that so i would like to think they kind of actually you know use that as a stepping off point and continue to be competitive continue to play these meaningful games and are still in the playoff race say toward the third week of march and then just see what happens from there but again like like paul and i think we've talked about this it, people view that is in a vacuum it's like you're either a draftist or you're going for a playoff spot but but they they, they don't see like what what it says about this team if they actually succeed, or if they're still relevant, third week in March, right up until April first. So it says your goaltending is good enough. It says your young players are developing. It says it says the blue line not not you know not not a game changer, but 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 adequate. And when you've got Quinn Hughes coming, and maybe a free agent pick up along the way, maybe that can change. So I, I think it's what what it would say about this team that's probably more important. Uh, than anything else in in, in, in in this picture, and they've kind of shown signs that they are inching towards that territory. Markstrom's here, um, you know, the, the, the development of some of the kids, I think the fact that, you know, Hutton has emerged this year. Jake's kind of taken a step back, which is really unfortunate, but he looked like he was going in that direction. So when you put all that, you know, to, to again, take out the wide-angle lens and look at the totality of what's happened with the Canucks, I think it qualifies as fairly good news this thus far, and i just like to see them continue on that trend. Just on Vertanen there, you know, it's odd to still talk about a player
0: learning because he's been through a few full seasons here, but does a break like this offer a good reset for him to come back and kind of... You see a you see a player's maybe hits a bit of a streak and then when it stops, you can almost gauge that weight that's on their shoulders with each game that it doesn't come. When there was that really strange debate news that came out of it was obviously yeah, yeah. planted that yeah. he's going to be scratched two days in advance almost of the game um, and then he wasn't scratched you know obviously using the media to deliver a message but there was a lot of suggestion that Vertanen hadn't been that bad it's just things weren't happening for him what do you expect coming back now
1: for him having had a break well he's kind of moved into that third line role on, on, on a decent line with Grandland and Sutter and it, it just you know don't don't change the world you know do your freaking job and, and, and i think what most people project jcat d- despite the, the you know the incredible package of size and speed and the shot and everything else if he could just be that guy who gets you 15 goals in a down year and maybe even 20, 22, 24 in a really good year. But if you can just be that consistent guy in that spot, I think that's what they're looking for. And it looked like he was trending toward that way over the first two and a half, maybe three months of the season. Just haven't seen enough of it recently. And, you know, he's getting to that age where you you can't really trade on the promise anymore. It's got to be about what you deliver. Kind of has that, I I know this is a huge reach for me, but he kind of has that
0: blend of, skill and and speed and size that he's never going to compete for an Art Ross trophy. But he's the kind of guy who I could see if the Canucks go on a playoff run oh, would be a huge, like,
1: absolutely go on a
0: hot streak and just really swell with confidence and be a guy who could make a difference in the playoffs.
1: Uh, no, yeah, uh, 100%. And if he can be that guy, and it's, you know, like me, a top nine forward who can push into the top six on some night. Yeah you know maybe pp2 time maybe you know that guy like that is that is a, a valuable valuable piece now the problem with jake is he'll always have that sixth overall pick hanging hanging around his yep. head but ignore that for the time being see good branson eric see exactly see if if he's a third rounder and you got that from him geez, he'd be doing a dance yep. so you know that's and that's what i hope he becomes because he could be that guy
0: um Another guy, maybe with similar issues but completely different reasons and, and skill set, is Bo Horvat. Um, mm-hmm. Again, probably uh, because people were so aghast at how great Pedersen was, uh, I think the apart from that one week stretch, people were almost underrating the progress Horvat had made this year. But then he did his numbers at least dropped off. That more a product of the injuries and the role that he was being asked to play. Yeah, than, than his development. As yeah, a I think
1: I think we've been down this road before with him. But for me, it is more uh, the responsibility of the organization to get Bo a winger he can play with and be productive with, on a consistent basis than anything Bo is or isn't doing. I just, I like he's the future captain. He is what you're looking for in that number two center. The totality of his game, you know, what he does in terms of the face-off circle, in terms of his 200-foot game, in terms of his physicality, which is kind of, you know, hes the, the kid's a tank. He just skates through people, but he needs somebody to play with for for him to take a step, and also for this Canucks team to take a step, because you can't be a one line team. I think Pedersen is going to be what he's going to be. I think Besser is is you know going to be a goal scorer, a sniper throughout his career, but they've got to get Bo in a position where they can form a dangerous second line. Do you see anyone in the organization
0: who can, who can? grow into that role, or is this someone they still have to go and well, acquire?
1: Well, the, the, I mean, in, in, in a perfect world, it would probably be Vertanen, right? I, I just don't think he's got, like, like, like the skill set to get there. I think, in time, Jonathan Dallin might be that guy. I think he's got that kind of upside to his offensive game. But, you know, he is going through that progress, in the American Hockey League where he's learning how difficult it is to be a pro in North America on a day-in, day-out basis. So that's why I I really think the Canucks are going to make a splash in free agency. Uh, this they're, they're just they're, <laughs> they're not, there's just too many valuable pieces out there. Well, that's it. This year, you know, is and a so b- if bit bit they miss an out on this guy, if they miss out on that guy, there's always a guy. I mean, you know, and Mark Stone is the name everybody mentions. They're supposedly interested in Furland, any of those guys. Oh, and you pl- all the pl- jokes. Pl- yeah, <laughs> all the jokes of the All Star Game when the <laughs> yeah.
0: image of Carlson standing next to Pedersen. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, hey, no, uh, well and
1: they, and and to be fair, the Canucks have done nothing to shoot that idea down. It's you know, they talk about you know maybe maybe being in the market for an impact defenseman who can carry the puck and be an offensive driver. Gee, who would that be in this free agent class? So I think something is going to happen this off season. I think it's going to be fairly big for the Canucks. We'll just wait and see who that is. It is
0: funny that the great white whale for the owner of this team going back to Shea Weber and the yeah. PK Subban yeah. and Eric Carlson. It is, he wants that big, splashy defenseman, which this team has never had. In no. all its years, it's astonishing. So not to disparage guys like Oland or Lume, no, uh, or you know even Lidster in that category. Almost guys, solid guys. They've never had the all-star defenseman, to be honest. Well, with
1: you. they might have drafted one last yes, summer. Absolutely. I, I honestly but do you think, think that's going to stop the owner chasing a big name? No, I no, I don't. Now the question is, is that big name going to be on the blue line, or is it going to be one of the forwards? And the supply on the forwards is a lot heavier, is a lot deeper than the supply on the blue line. So, I, you know, again, you, you add Quinn Hughes to that, you, you know, and, and let's just, you know, let's blue sky this. Let's say he steps in, he's a top four guy next year. Not playing 25 minutes, but he gives you 18-20 minutes, and the one thing I think everybody agrees from him, he makes your power play better like that, the minute he puts on that Canucks uniform. So if he can be that guy and they start filling spots in around him, you know, that's not bad. Again, that this again message from the owner last week was
0: let's be patient. Yeah. We're not going to blah 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 blah. A guy like that, a true superstar. If you convince them, to sell them on your program, that accelerates your program. Um, I do want to get into a little bit. Obviously, what flared up for us on yep. social media over the weekend. I'll clarify my position. Then I'll let you have your say. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, whether or not we uh, we. I don't want to get into an argument with other people who thankfully listened to the podcast and transcribed what we had to say There were a couple of key pieces left out. And the discussion was about, um, I think we started it by what has made Patterson be able to step in and succeed in the NHL. When the question about him was, can he handle the grind? Can he handle the physical aspect? And his personality came up. The fact that he does look kind of pissed off at people sometimes, um, he does not fit this stereotypical Swede that they've had in the past. You look at Daniel and Henrik absolutely deferring to everyone all the time, being the PR dream that they've had. And I happened to suggest last week, which was not included, was I think that's one of the reasons why he has succeeded. I think it's refreshing. I think sports and imp- hockey is the worst of the sports. They do not want people to stand out. They do not, when I say they, I mean the hockey established. They want people to be automatons. They dress the same going to the rink. They never say anything that highlights themselves. It's always, you know, the team before the individual. I like the idea that Pedersen has an attitude. I think it makes him refreshing. I'm more interested in what he's had to say than any athlete we've had here, probably going back to... I don't know if i put Bertuzzi in that category, but he certainly made for some great copy. But certainly Pavel Bure because yeah. he had that superstar edge too that he could get away with it. You, know, you had guys like Shane O'Brien who might play that role, but they if they became an embarrassment, they were gone. Pedersen has the elite skills, and I think he's a very interesting person. That's where I was coming from. How it spun out of control, I'm not sure. Yeah. You had some news out of it that the Canucks were aware of this and that they had talked to him about it. Yeah.
1: Okay, well, okay. So two things for me, and and, and, and and you know, like we we kind of infer a lot of things when we look at these people. You know, what makes them different? What drives them? And I think with Patterson, as you said, you can look at him, and this is a kid who's been told too small, too skinny, too Swedish, doesn't skate well enough, not big enough. Nobody plays that way, anyways. You can't do it. And I think he's taking great delight in sticking up people's asses. And I think that sometimes shows in his dealing with the media. That's one thing. Two things, uh, and I'm sorry, like, I'm just, I'm not going to back off this point. I still think there's a responsibility there in the way he conducts interviews. And and I know this is, and, and I think at the root of this, and I, I want to get into this, it's, I think it's the way people view the role of the media and for my generation and the way I grew up, I, I I saw Gretzky standing in front of the TV cameras. I saw I've seen Sidney Crosby do it. I saw Joe Sack. I mean, we could go on and on and on and on. And yes, they were banal. And yes, they weren't like the most provocative people. But it just seemed to me they were they were sending. Uh, um, I don't think appropriate message is quite the right term, but, but they rep- just the way they represented the game in themselves. They weren't combative. They weren't looking for a fight when a fight didn't really exist, and I think that's an appropriate message. Then. Now, I, talk- I was talking about this with my wife, who's given to the- these blinding moments of insight, and I was explaining to her, like, this is the media I grew up with. This is what my idea of it is. And she looked at me, and she went, yeah, but that isn't these kids' idea of what the media is now. For them, you know, they're participants, they're part of the story. It's all those things. And I went, oh, geez. Yeah, you, you get know. tired
0: of your wife always being right. like... <laughs>
1: I'm, I've got. I've gotten so used to it by now. Yeah. I should have actually in the middle of the Twitter storm. I should have. Fu- Kathy, come in here. Explain this. Here's here. my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Please explain this to me. Explain it to them. Yeah. This. The, so my other big takeaway: but kids are really naming, or parents are really naming their kids funny names this year. Like it's really somebody walking around. They're called Besser's mouth guard or yeah. Yeah, Brackett is, Judd Bracket is under anyway. So so. <laughs> so so that that was it. That was kind and and it really was. Um, you know, it was it was an education. For me, um, the, the yeah. one, one thing there though is you talk about the responsibility to stand in front of the cameras. Pedersen does that, yeah. But
0: yeah. one of the things to me that I think is lost, and again, everyone has a platform now with social media, and I don't begrudge anyone interacting with us. Um, I just, you know, do you need to call me an effing moron to yeah. get your point across? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, no. I'm not. I'm no shrinking violet. Uh, I I think sometimes, and I get. I get angry at the state of journalism today, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Um, The one thing I cannot stand to hear is, can you talk a little bit about? Mm -hmm. I hear that from Emmy award-winning broadcasters in the U.S. Can you talk a little bit about the power play? Can you talk? Like, that is insane. But I do know that the role of people, particularly in electronic media, is sometimes to ask a stupid question because they need the obvious answer. So when you ask someone, did you feel good out there after you scored a hat trick yeah. or whatever? You're, you're just, you know what you're trying to get. You're leading them down that path, right? So, well, okay. So, I think it, that, no, yeah, I'm yeah, just gonna it, say, it, sure. I think people can put more thought into the questions. Oh, absolutely, yeah. but I also think when everything is broadcast now, like that scrum is live, people love seeing that death stare, and he's sticking it to the
1: media, right? Oh but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Y- you no, know, somewhere I, in this, yeah, yeah. We became, you know, if this was professional wrestling, we became the heels, and he became the baby face. Okay, that, you know, that's fine. Comes with the territory. I I I get all that. Um, I had a thought in there, and it was it was kind of it was kind of conflicting with about five other thoughts uh, banging around in my head. So you go ahead, and I and I'll I'll see if I can remember. I'll see if I can retrieve it. Well, no,
0: like I get. To, to your point, I would rather see that reaction from, from Patterson than what I
1: hear from Crosby. And I didn't. Okay, know. I'm sorry. Yeah, I remember it now. Thank you. you see, I just needed that, that thirty <laughs> seconds. It, this came up in the middle of the the Twitter shitstorm uh, category Category Five, by the way. And I, I you ruined my Sunday by uh, the way because <laughs> just think about my Sunday <laughs> <laughs> I backed off on it for
0: two days and then when you started yeah. getting like trying to defend it, it didn't and try, I got no just try,
1: I didn't I wasn't explain. defending and I just tried to explain somebody somebody tweeted this out yeah and blah 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 stupid question like the cameraman who asked him after Matheson hit him do you wish you were back in Sweden yeah. and I, I I was either unaware of that or I'd completely forgotten. <laughs> Yes, absolutely that is an epically stupid question and deserved the disdain it got I guess my point is and, 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 and again my interactions with it with Elias have been very limited a I, I, couple of times I, I tried to get him to talk about uh, uh, Sweden at last year's World Junior when I was on my way to cover it and he didn't want any part of that but a lot of the people that he has shown that disdain for are, are like veteran people who have covered this game for a long long time and the questions aren't always, you know, the most brilliant. But, but you know, I, I think there should be a bit, a bit of an allowance there. And I that's really about all I want to say on the subject. I, you know,
0: I I think everyone is uh, athletes are due for criticism. Media can be too. I just think oh, so. Oh, yeah. I, I would just what? like it to be, you know, sort of transparent. And, like, let's be representative. Last week, what sparked it was a discussion about what makes Pedersen good. And that spun into – you our oh, yeah. words should yeah. not he, yeah, i hope yeah, he yeah. never gives you yeah, the time yeah, of day again yeah. and i I, fi- I i did find it funny but well yeah, we
1: this idea that 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 you me we can't take criticism which <laughs> is pretty laughable because i've been doing this, doing this for a while it's just that like when your twitter feed has like 500 notifications and four hundred of them are of that ilk. You know, I, I think I think that. Well, a you little had more volume. My
0: percentage was a little more. <laughs> it it was. And I toxic. Well,
1: okay. So funny story. So we're doing Sunday dinner, and my son and my granddaughter's over, and I have to disengage to actually write a column. And so when I'm I'm done the column, I look and I see. 128 notifications oh okay kind of scanned through them we went and had dinner i got i got, I got to go back and look and the second time so this is maybe another hour and a half 138 now this is on top of friday on top of saturday yeah. so
0: it, it is quite funny i, I my i mean that I've, funny
1: yes what yeah. is the thing about comedy distance and well <laughs> you, you've been around a lot
0: more than i have i tend to get because I, i've sort of been away from covering things i've been in the management side for 20 years i tend to get more of the general managers mike gillis brian burke yeah yeah yeah. All along the way, having their their say with me. Um, but I do remember going way back one time when I was covering the BC Lions, and the one guy who seemed to really want to stick it back to me was Damon Allen. And um, the first couple of times I was taken aback by he was challenging me on what I was asking, calling yeah, yeah. me stupid, you don't know what was supposed to happen on that interception. And I'm thinking... Were you supposed to throw it like 10 yards (laughs) short of the guy? Anyway, um, but I began to enjoy it, and I thought it was kind of a game, and I thought it made great copy. And that's one of those things that your role in the media, you're right, there are veteran guys, but there's a way to use it to your advantage too. And I just think nothing should quell this kid's personality. I love it. I love the edge. No, I do too. I love the chip on the shoulder. Okay, I
1: I do too. I just think you could knock some of the rough edges off. Just want to leave one more thing. I was trying to think if there was a comparable – uh, episode and of course the one is Bertuzzi and uh, 2004 and Steve Moore, and, and I think but I think it speaks more to the evolution of Twitter and the place it's taken in the sports conversation. Oh my goodness! It it was around but it wasn't around like it was now. And I don't I, I remember all my you idiot you effing idiot you effing moron came through email and there were plenty of those but like let's face it, it weren't, there weren't like 300 in the space of, in the space of 2 hours um, so i was just wondering what that would have looked like um, in, well, in the current well, uh, atmosphere the
0: reason i'm laughing is i just recalled a story that you told me when the Canucks that year, the famous Clucci era with uh, those guys, and they played the Avalanche in the playoffs. And this was before the Steve Moore incident. It was the one where they were up two games to nothing and then the 300-foot shot, or that was Detroit. That was Detroit, No, but the yeah, one yeah. They, they played really well against the Avalanche, but they lost. I oh, yeah, that was the games. year before. That yeah. was after they hadn't been in the playoffs right.
1: for so long and the, the so, famous Harold Drew can goal got them into the playoffs. Right, so this is
0: obviously pre-Twitter. It's pre-Real, so, any social media. Woody Page writes one of his oh. standard columns. Awesome. Just, you know, obviously making yeah. fun of the backwaters of Vancouver. And you highlight him in, I think, one of your musings columns or somehow we no, covered no, it. No, I, I
1: I had no role in that. Okay. I, that was completely Somewhat, organic. That, someone was, the that was the Vancouver... No, well, some, maybe we did. Maybe we did. We did, we did a something. Story. We highlighted it I think and we told did people a new about story. it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. about what
0: he'd said, and we included his email. <laughs> you go to the game that night, and you said you mentioned it to Woody, and he's like, "Yeah, my inbox is like closed permanently now. <laughs> like, <it's> just, <laughs> it just it crashed. Yeah, it crashed. This so that was that was what it was pre-social media. Now that I do wonder, like during the whole Bure saga about how he wanted out of town, man. Oh, can you imagine man. if Twitter oh. was around
1: then? Holy Maroli, yeah, no, absolutely, (laughs) because again, about you know, what's the what's the trade going to be? What's the take going to be? And and there is still that perception out there that Bure was fed up, just absolutely fed up with the uh, completely unreasonable Vancouver media making demands. Life in a fishbowl. Life in a fishbowl. and of course, so so from and then he goes to play in New York, so. yeah
0: and of course, there's all these grand stories that Mark Messier was somehow involved in some personal thing that got him out of town ta- like the rumors on that one are fantastic anyway yeah. um pretty much leave the Canucks there, except I did want to ask you just immediately this chase for playoffs we talked about whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. do you think it's realistic though? do you think this team will be down to the last two weeks of the season in a position to make the
1: playoffs i I, I don't. But that's not to say they they won't and i and I really hope they are because I think it would be it'd be great for the team. It'd also be great for the city I mean, just what like what this fan base has endured over the last three years to basically go from you know from February first to play out the last two and a half months of the season with nothing 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 to to be played for except a spot uh <laughs> a spot in the draft. And then to be disappointed again in, in the draft lottery. So I would just like to see that. I, just for the fan's sake, I'd like to see them playing those games where there is something and they can at least entertain the notion, boy, if we do this, if we do that, if we can get this kind of break, that kind of break, yeah, we can get into the playoffs.
0: You know, it, it, this it, it is going to be interesting. Obviously, they come back with a four-game road trip. We talked about the vagaries of the schedule. Uh, five home games, but nine on the road for February. And then March, really, while it's yeah. a busy month, they are mostly at home. Um, and they are playing a lot of you know Eastern opponents in that in that mix as well. So I kind of think that this is if this break invigorates these guys and they got away from it for a little bit and they come back and they have a decent February, uh, yeah. You never know what'll be on the table come March. But of course, the trade deadline's in there too, and that will bring us lots of uh, intrigue. Let's talk quickly about the Super Bowl before we leave, just yeah. because this whole media thing. I did watch the media day. Ah. Uh, you and I have both been to Super Bowls before and i'm surprised it took the nfl this long to they've moved the media day now to a monday night and right. they made it a tv thing yeah. and uh it used to be tuesday was the big kickoff day now you know they bring everyone in and it it, it you know it's the stupid stuff it's the dumb questions mm-hmm. it's they play with that a little bit more um but man, this game to me is so intriguing. From the Belichick, oh. McVeigh, uh, Goff, and and Brady, obviously. I still don't understand how the New England Patriots are so good. I mean, I know they are. Yeah. We've talked about this before. Uh, owner, general manager, coach, Quite all it. on the same, yeah. all yeah. on the same plan. Yeah. They yeah. know what they're doing. Teams that have that discord in any sport, I don't care, what it was doesn't seem to be there. You actually covered Rams Patriots, didn't
1: you? So two thousand two, yeah. that was the last of five in a row, and a little different era for for newspapers. And what blows my mind when I think of the Patriots being there again is 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 the cast of players. That have run through that. So, so that team. So Brady was basically a game manager at that point. He'd taken over for Drew Bledsoe mid-season. Bledsoe got a hit, a hit on the head, knocked out, and you know he takes them, and you know they win games, and he's very efficient. But he's not the dynamic gunslinger who would be in years later. But I, but I look at the rest of the team, and they mostly did it with defense in a power running game, and the defense had guys like Teddy Bruschi, Bruschi, excuse me, uh, a secondary with like lawyer, lawyer, lawyer Malloy, and tie law, and that was really the strength of the team. And then each subsequent Patriots team has kind of had its own distinct flavor and its own faces to, to, to sell, but they, they do it and you think of like teams that have been on rebuilds, Cleveland Browns for four, five, six, seven, eight, and they can't get it right. And it's just the fact that they can go in, grab this player, plug them into the system, make them, if not into an all-pro, damn near close to an all-pro level player, Keep on winning, keep on winning. To me, is one of the most extraordinary sports stories of the last 50 years. And managing the and cap probably as well. the most in a in a cap era. Yeah, and they're doing it with second, third round picks. They're doing it with free agents. They're doing it by trading for this veteran guy, for that veteran guy. But the thing in this, the thing at the core of it is just so strong. Everybody fits into it, and that's everybody from, from Randy Moss to the Josh Gordon kid now. Um, it just, like, they they fit into the system, and they fit into what to do because it is so strong. Well, what, I, I, I'm
0: i so conflicted over this because the Patriots have convinced themselves that they're underdogs. Whereas yeah, yeah. everyone, I mean, I know people might have said, oh, the Chargers look so good against the Ravens, they might beat them. And then legit, I mean, KC had that chance to win the game, obviously, but that's they were at home. I sit here and I look at this New England Patriots team and I go, how are people picking them to win? Like, I know Jared Goff may not be as celebrated as Patrick Mahomes, but you look at that defense, and you look at the players that the Rams have on that side of the ball, mm-hmm. and when you comp- if you compare the two lineups and one wasn't coached by, by yep. Bill Belichick, you'd yep. say, oh, the Rams are easily favored in this game. But somehow this week is playing out like the Rams don't have a chance.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the magic of Belichick and the, and the magic of Brady, just the way that and we have seen it so many times before. It's drilled into our conscience, right? And so why would you? Like when you've seen some of the teams they've won with, going back to that 2002 team, so you look at the lineup now and go, yeah, okay, they've got. I, I, I still struggle to name any more than two or three players. Hightower, right, Line- yeah. good, really good linebacker. Yeah. McCordy brothers. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're, yeah. There, see, there's. I I would have struggled with that <laughs> one too, but here, here they are. Here
0: they are again. No, I I I I hate them. I hate them so much. But I'm fascinated by them, and that's yeah. why I'm going to watch the game. And I also I think it's a good story. People are making fun of LA, the fact that you know. They just don't have the fans or the fervor that no one cares. I think it's good for the NFL when they've invested so much in a new stadium there, and they've looked at that market and said they should have an NFL team. And one of the reasons is I think they want Super Bowls in LA. That's a great market to hold the Super Bowl. Sure. Um, I think it's a it's a good jumping off point to get the NFL more established there again. Is to is to have the Rams do right, well, Rams so.
1: absolutely. I'm still not sure why the Chargers need to be there, but well, because uh, they had a shitty stadium. Yeah, in, of course uh, they did in of San Diego. They did.
0: Which actually, I'm going to bring something up to you now. Which our producer sitting here, Darn McQuana, was passionate about. This came up in our morning news meeting that Roger, because we were talking about the possibilities now. Anthony, I'm, I'm going all over the place here, but there's a point. Believe me, Anthony Davis wants out of the Pelicans. Yeah. Pelicans are going to move from New Orleans. I saw an article yesterday that suggested Vancouver would be one of the favorite destinations. Obviously, Seattle is there. Uh, Las Vegas is there. We know that Francesco Aquilini has wanted an NBA team mm-hmm. back in that arena. And the point came up that is Rogers Arena suitable or is like, a, a, I think someone called it an armpit. Um, wow. Okay. So this this is one thing that confounds me, and I guess it shows how old I am that, Twenty-five, thirty years into an arena's shelf life, it's not considered good enough anymore. Yeah, do you think Rogers <laughs> Arena and Vancouver could support an NBA team coming back?
1: Oh, geez, I, 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 my initial response is is no, but I, I keep having people tell me yes, yes, it would, and I just, I, like you, you, you can't measure the circumstances under which the Grizzlies operated. Uh, as being saying, informing anything about this market's ability to support an NBA team. Give it competent management, give them a couple of players, give them a couple of years to develop. Yeah, I, I think so. Maybe, maybe under those circumstances, I think so. I also think if, if David Stern was still running the show, I would like Vancouver's chances a lot better because I, and, and I, I know this because I interviewed him and he took it personally that the Grizzlies failed. That was his baby to the point where, like, <laughs> He hired the general manager for them. He hired well, a lot of the then staff. He, then he can wear the, the staff the for them. He, can, can he can he wear Steve, Steve Francis. But that's what his view was. You know, this was going to be their toll in the Pacific Rim, and this was going to, you know, uh, introduce them to markets in China and in Japan. And this is what it was. It was going to be, and then and then it wasn't. And then not only that, they lose Seattle too. So I'm having a hard time thinking, seeing Vancouver getting an NBA franchise over Seattle. Maybe just me. Maybe I'm missing something here. And well, can you see two coming in, one relocating and one expansion? Maybe. Wasn't the last thing I read the, the and then this is a while ago. This was last year when there was talk about Seattle and and uh, Mexico City oh. was w- w- was kind of the target. Well, the so. worst
0: what you don't want to be is that leverage market that is always right. yeah, used the stalking for the- horse. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. yeah, yeah. The one thing I will say is, uh, you know, I I have a 20 year old daughter. Who could probably name two Vancouver Canucks? Yeah. Uh, same with her boyfriend. They she can name the starting five for the Raptors. She could tell you who, who the starting five for the Trailblazers and the Lakers and everyone yeah. else are. I have a 15-year-old daughter that I coach her soccer team. There's zero interest in hockey amongst those kids. They all love the NBA. And I think for tie a lot of this together, there's a lot of media who are still pissed off at the Grizzlies and the what the act that came through town at that point. And when they brought the Raptors back here, I sort of thought people in this market don't care. Those games sold out in a hurry, even though they were preseason games. Mm-hmm. I think for the sort of sub twenty-five crowd, the NBA still has an incredible toehold on on people in the city. That's not that hockey doesn't, yeah. but I still think that uh, I think that there's a it's a it's a market that if not this round, I think that it's gonna keep coming up. I do think that the city could support it the way it's going. I concede your point. And you would need NBA players to be able to afford a house here. <laughs>
1: It's <laughs> pretty good. Why don't we end it on that? We Why will. Not? We will end Gender it on that. Drop now. All right. Thanks, okay. Ed. Uh, this yeah, is cheers. the White Tail
0: Podcast. You can see our White Tail videos. Subscribe to the podcast. We'll do a couple a week for you. And as always, if you want to swear at us and call us some names, reach us on Twitter.